hello and welcome to another episode of the Wild Runners podcast. Um, bit of an impromptu one, this one, as in it was only organised on what Monday, and now, now sort of two days later recording. But we're joined by um, uh, Daniel uh, Narini uh, from Young Lives Versus Cancer, who is a uh, fundraising manager. Is that correct, Dan? Uh, well, I've got a new role as a supporter revolution lead, but yes, I've been a fundraising manager for the last two years. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Danny, that, you know, obviously, thank you very much for coming on. Before we start, I just want to put put Dan on on the spot and just say, um, how did how did you find our little trip to the Peak District yesterday, as in the descents? Oh, uh, yeah, no, mate. It, it was all right. It was only six hundred and sixty meters more elevation than my normal runs, <laughs> <laughs> so the legs were a little bit sore by the end, but I made it. The ankle held up, which was the main priority. It did, it did. I was worried on certain sections where it was a bit rocky. I was like, oh, don't try and, you know, don't go too fast as I'm carrying you. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a long way from Mountain Rescue to come and help us. I, I was promised cheesy chips at the end, but you took me to a pub that served no food. Brilliant. Mate, <laughs> why wouldn't you serve food during the day in the school holidays if you're oh, in the National Park no. and, no one, and no one can travel abroad? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> You know, there's a business model there, and someone's missing out on some serious cash, didn't we? So yeah, we, we had to sell for a pint, some peanuts and pork scratchings, and the McDonald's on the way home. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good second best in McDonald's on the way home, I think. Yeah, it is. We, I don't know. I was, I had a real hankering for cheesy chips, and I had that hankering from pretty much the moment we started the, started the run. I was like, yeah, pint and some cheesy chips. That'll mm-hmm. that'll be nice. So we've got fifty percent of it. Yeah. Yes. So, um, well, well the, the reason um, uh, Dan's joined us today is because um, in September we've got a, a whole challenge running uh, for for young lives versus cancer. Um, so, I mean, first of all, first of all, Dan, how did you get involved with with the charity in the first place? I have always kind of been interested in the charitable sector. Um, and kind of, I suppose after university, thought, what do I actually want to do with my life? Um, and wanted to help people, but I hadn't done a degree in which I could actually help people. Um, so applied to join a charity and tried out a few. And there was a role at Unionized Versus Cancer that came up, then called Click Sergeant. Um, and I'd heard of them before and thought, well, I've got to go for this and got it. Um, and it's it's been... An amazing experience ever since I kind of don't I tried a few different places probably like six months at a time um and two years on I don't ever plan to leave young lives versus cancer they will have to drag me out in a coffin when I'm like 97 so let that be a warning to the people higher up yeah that's it mm. and, and what is it that you you like about them they are totally different from every other charity out there and I think I'm I think that's a fair thing to say they're very open they're honest they are not pretentious at all um and they the impact that they have is absolutely phenomenal for the resources that we have um it's kind of it's really overwhelming to kind of think I knew that they existed before I joined 
but I didn't quite realise when you say, you know, if you think of like Macmillan or Teenage Cancer Trust and you, you think, oh yeah, they're everywhere. It's strange when you join to then think, whoa, okay, yeah, there are 19 hospitals in the UK um, that children and young people can get cancer treatment at, not all of them you can. Um, Sorry, so, so in the whole UK, there's only 19 places where a child could go and get treatment for cancer? Yep, yeah, and, and they're clumped together, which is a brilliant decision oh. by, by whoever makes those decisions. Um, yeah, so you can't just go to your local hospital, which is a major problem. Again, sorry to interrupt, do they, do, classing a child, is that anyone under the age of 18? What... Up to 25, we class them, oh. so 0 to 25, and then from 25, Macmillan take over. 19 places for 25 and under? Yeah, which is... Jesus. It's, it, but on every kind of sub-age category has its own problems from little kiddies. Often p- folks will have more than one child and they'll be probably below the, below the age of five, so they've got multiple children that they've got to deal with and look after quite intensely. Teenagers that maybe are at home and having to rely on mum and dad to take them places and then don't want to leave school and then potentially uni age folks that are doing their education they can't afford to get to the hospital um, or have to withdraw all the way up to age 25 when they're trying to start their career and they can't get sick leave and they can't I mean how would you if you're in like my patch was East Anglia um, which is a bad patch for service users we call them um, because the nearest hospital is Addenbrooke's in Cambridge. So if you're 25 and you've got a nice job in Norwich or on the coast, how do you get the time off to go and have treatment five times a week or go to a specialist hospital, God forbid, that's in London um, or Bristol or in Ireland potentially, and then get time off work? They've got to leave work, leave employment, lose their flats, etc. cetera. Um, it's a really crappy situation um, with kind of no sign of changing we've just kind of got to work with the system and petition to um bit political but scotland finally have we've been petitioning for a um like a cancer travel fund um and scotland have finally implemented it so now if you're under the age of 25 and you've got cancer and you're struggling with the costs associated with getting to the hospital they'll pay for you which is fantastic and relieves a massive burden where it's just one less thing to think about um so that's a major victory and we're just hoping that the rest of the devolved nations get involved and implement the same sort of thing and follow their example um because that would be a huge help if they're not going to change the hospitals in which you can get the treatment um but yeah it's, it's a it's a whole situation and it's not there it's not been made easier by COVID with even more people not wanting to trouble the doctor with little things that they don't think it is anything but is actually a big problem. Um, so we're seeing a lot more people being referred through and they're at the later stages or palliative and there's loads of people that are in the system already and there's delays with diagnosis and delays with treatment so they're getting iller and iller. Um, 
and it's yeah it's it's crap and at the same time no one was raising any money and we're totally 100% dependent on the public to operate um however much we we shout um, at the government to try and get a little bit of support we have not been uh, successful which is a real shame but yeah that's that's the situation we're in yeah i'm still shocked about just the number of hospitals in the uk that can do it it's something i'd never I'd, i mean i'm lucky i've never you know no close family members or friends i've ever had cancer so touch wood you know I'm, I'm i'm very i'm very lucky in that respect so but yeah i always thought if anything was wrong you'd go to your local hospital and so jesus no it's um people are quite lucky if they've got a local hospital but like i said they're kind of clumped so you've got adam brooks in east anglia that is the, the primary treatment center they're called um, and they have shared care agreements with um, like the North Norwich or Ipswich where they can get some treatment. But the main hospital for main appointments is Addenbrooke's. And then you've got in the East Midlands, you've got Nottingham and Leicester that are very close together. And they're both primary treatment centres. Um, and actually, it's only half an hour between them. So it's, it's a very strange yeah. situation. Um, and then some of them don't even do specialist treatment so um cancers kind of in and around the eye you can only really get specialist treatment in london at uclh or gosh so then there's families potentially all the way up in edinburgh that have to somehow get down to london for specialist treatment or i don't know how much you know about like the different types of treatment but there's chemotherapy which everyone gets which is um poison that kills you and they just hope that it will kill the cancer first and it's done in rounds and it's pretty horrific um there's radiotherapy which is a little bit more targeted but still is damaging to other bits of the body um and again they just hope that the cancer dies first and then there's proton beam which is like the the best that we have at the moment um and it's kind of focused on the tumor itself without damaging um, tissues around it and for little kids especially or um, adolescents that's the one that you want to go with because if you're ever thinking about having a family then chemo has massive effects on fertility um, yeah. and other things um, whether that's leg amputations or whatever so proton beam is the one that you want and it's only done in Manchester there's only one machine in the UK. I think there is another one coming um, to London soon. So you're in a situation where you either, you have to go through a huge process to actually get proton beam in the first place. And if you're lucky enough to get it, then you've got to make the decision on potentially, do one of you give up work so that you can travel to Manchester? How are you gonna pay to stay up there long enough to have the treatment it, it, there's so many ridiculous things um which is why it's kind of so important that young lives versus cancer and charities like us are kind of there with our especially our location dependent services so in manchester we're about to open a new home from home we call them um which are next to the primary treatment centers 
Um, it's Jack's house that's about to open in Manchester where families can stay for free for as long as they need to. Um, so people having proton beam in the future at the Christie Hospital up in Manchester, they'll be able to stay for as long as they need to and they won't have to worry about paying for somewhere to stay. They'll just mm. have to worry about getting there, um, which we can help with financially as well. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, I don't think the distribution of hospitals is ever going to change. I think the agreements with other local hospitals might get better, hopefully, as the population distributes outside of London now that COVID has kind of affected our working practices and stuff. Um, that might be potentially a silver lining of the whole situation that they'll redistribute the resource. But yeah, that's the that's the situation currently. It's mm. not, a, not a great picture. So is, is the main sort of thing that Young Lives versus Cancer is, is it to sort of help with the logistics for these families, sort of getting to the hospitals, the, the accommodation, or do you actually, you know, provide money for the, you know, the treatments, you know, to go into the hospitals as well? Um, yeah, so that's it's quite a small percentage of what we do. Um, Sorry, yes. Which <laughs> is crazy to think. Um, yeah, so we... we on kind of the operational side we have our homes from home so people can go and stay there that are just a slipper walk from the hospital um most of them are just over the road so they're quite convenient so that they can have those little things they can I've been to the one in um, Nottingham Billy's house where it's such a lovely if you've gone through that whole situation everything's alien you're away from home but there's a big family kitchen where all the families can get together and they can talk to other parents about treatment or anything they want to speak about and they can wash their kids clothes so that they can take them back to the hospital and they smell like home um, which is a, a huge massive thing we do help financially so we give um, everyone who wants one an initial grant of 170 quid I think it is um, to help out immediately on diagnosis with all the things you wouldn't even think about so um people on chemo are immunosuppressed so it's really important to keep the house warm uh which is a very expensive business keeping the, the central heating on and up all the time so that there's those costs there's eating because they're they'll need to eat a lot more to keep their energy up all these things you just don't even think of um as well as the obvious things like maybe not being able to work so often the cost of car parking at the hospital, the cost of running the car, putting the petrol in, et cetera, especially if it's the average commute is about 60 miles round trip um, to their nearest hospital. So that's a, that's a lot of money that right there. Um, and then there's hardship grants. If someone's particularly hard up, then we can um, give them up 600 quid or try and figure out something. We work with loads of other charities across the country um, who we will the social worker will kind of be a coordinator for to try and get access to those but you put that all in a little um a little box and that's that's just a tiny little box in the bigger thing that we do which is um social work support which sounds a bit scary and is i suppose to most people um because their only interaction would be through kind of local council social workers which is a very different job um but our social workers will be there from hopefully day one. So every child and young person across the country is eligible for our services once they're diagnosed. 
we the ideal situation is that the relationship with the hospital is brilliant most of our teams are embedded in the hospital teams they're referred straight through and our social worker is there so the consultant is trained to kind of break the news then our social worker step in and then help them process that bombshell um, and then facilitate kind of we look at the average amount of people we look after is around 7,000 children and young people but then the additional family members is around 24,000 um, every year and that's with things like um, play specialists for really little ones um, that don't know what treatment is and don't know what an MRI scanner is and we approach the subject through play or books or um, little group Zoom sessions so they can be with their peers and kind of figure out what's happening to them in a non-scary sort of way. Um, and counselling, there's a lot of the parents. Um, I've had a couple of examples of kind of parents that have wanted to take their own life because they don't feel, or they feel that they've failed their child, they're not doing enough. Um, so we, the social worker is there to kind of be a bit of a mediator, access counselling, access local mental health support for the parents, as well as the kids. Um, not so much younger ones, but kind of the teenagers, there's lots of young people that we have to do um, uh, like suicide prevention work with um, because they might feel that they're a burden on their parents or on their loved ones and the easiest way is to kind of end it all rather than go through this treatment. So they are absolutely incredible, those social work teams. And some of the, I was really lucky actually in my first two years was embedded with the um, team at Addenborough in Cambridge and the work that they do day in day out speaking to the parents especially is probably especially bad throughout this whole pandemic is just insane the things that they have to deal with and support people through um, but they keep kind of a smile on their face and carry on to the next one and um, their main focus is just to be there so Ideally, that would be on the wall or in person, which has been really difficult the last 12 months, but we're starting to get back to that. So they've, with the addition of now being a bit more comfortable with things like Zoom, um, being a bit more comfortable with having conversations on the telephone or via text. Um, and we've just launched a kind of online support service. So especially parents, maybe in the middle of the night or, um, maybe like teenage kids who might be a bit awkward and want to pick up the phone they can speak to one of the social workers in our central team via live chat which is a brilliant function to have and we wouldn't have without the pandemic um so that's that is the main reason why we exist um is to be there and look after everything that isn't medical um because that's kind of the main the doctors are fantastic and they will hopefully cure the child um, or young person with the cancer, but it's everything else around it. We kind of don't, our approach is that if you're going to get cancer, then you need to come out the other end having achieved or to get something out of it. Just surviving isn't good enough. If you've had to go through that, you deserve to be thriving at the end of it. Um, 
and we do everything we can to set them up so that once they're given the all clear, there is not a definite line. They're ready to go out into the world, whether that's into primary education or off to uni or off into the working world. They're there, they're confident, they might have gained some skills um, and they can go out and smash it. And we're kind of very lucky to be able to have the support of people like yourselves and people across the country to enable us to do that because every every single penny that we spend is fundraised by someone which is um ridiculous to think about there's yeah not a single penny do we get from central government all these teams all these structures all these buildings that we maintain are there because people have stuck their hand in the pocket and chuck some money in a tin or done an amazing challenge um which is a very kind of privileged position to to be in um yeah it's that's probably the answer to why why i want to be part of this organization because it is um it's incredible they're a, a really wonderful team of people yeah i mean you know just just listen to you there got me thinking because uh, I've got a four, four-year-old son and just going to be thinking, you know, what would we like if anything ever happened to him like that? And I'd never thought about, you know, you mentioned the social. What, isn't it, I'd, I'd never thought about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and just, yeah, you know, you would need some sort of, you would, as a parent, you must do, you know. Because yeah. you never plan. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's rare, which is, brilliant but that also means that no one ever prepares for it yeah so when you get the news there was um a kid in Norwich actually that was um a keen footballer um and just thought he'd hurt his knee and they'd gone to the doctors and they referred them on and they kind of didn't really know what was happening and they went to Addenbrooke for an appointment and didn't really understand why and it was just the mum and son. He'd got his kit on, ready to go to training straight after. Um, and it was leukemia. And they had to start treatment straight away. And they didn't have anything with them. They didn't know what leukemia was. They didn't know anything. Yeah. Um, because why would you? And that's why we exist. The NHS does not have the resources to be there for them. They mm. don't have the resources to clothe them. Um, but our teams are there so they can step in straight away they've got um bags with essentials like a toothbrush and toothpaste and a pair of pajamas um and they're, they're kind of tailored to the different age groups with things that might actually be helpful for them um so at least that first night can be a bit more comfortable than it would have otherwise been but that's the problem no one ever thinks about it um and that is one of our successes with um campaigning which we're trying to do a bit kind of we lose money because we campaign um from like big these big companies that have these big grants they don't like um charities that work on policy sort of stuff with the government but one of the major successes we had was with the um children's funeral fund so because i think it was last year or the year before um because of the campaign work we'd done and the lobbying um now if a child dies of cancer across the uk the funeral is paid for by the government which is brilliant because that's another thing why would you get life insurance for your child why would you save up for their funeral you wouldn't no one does yeah it's only when it happens that you realize oh yeah there's a problem here 
Um, but yeah, it's it's really difficult because there's there's never a, there, there is no solution to that problem. Um, mm. Raising a child is difficult enough. Sorry about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but why do you me and Dan bug it off to the peak district to another man together? I mean, twenty was it a twenty plus mile run round there? It was a more relaxing day than being at home. Yeah. With the child running around. It gets like that sometimes, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's um it's a difficult old um nut to crack, but it's it's nice to know that there are I suppose it's different because I know the actual individuals, but they are people like you and uncles, brothers, cousins they are out there in the world and you walk past them in the supermarket and they do this incredible job. They are in the hospitals across the United Kingdom um, and they will be there for those families that aren't expecting it. Um, it's ridiculous. It's one of those things that you hope you'd never have to use. Um, but it's really nice to know they are there so that if you ever have to, yeah. Then there'd be someone there to support you. And when was um there was a click size in that now young lives versus cancer? when was that charity actually formed? Oh, interesting question. Um Click Sergeant was formed in about 2005. Um it was a merger of quite an inventive name merger of Click, which is children, young, no, children, cancer and leukemia in children. I should know that off my heart, um, which is a kind of Bristol based charity. Um, and Malcolm Sargent, they merged together. Um, they'd both been going for years and years and years and years and years. And years. Uh, they merged together um, in 2005. And we've been Click Sargent ever since. Um, until very recently when we became Young Lives Versus Cancer because we um, still know our roots and we, we kind of spoke to the families because Malcolm Sargent's family is still around and the families that um, formed Click are still around, um, talked to them about it and did loads of market research and realised that we could um, reach more people with a name that was a bit clearer yeah. um, and we already had the strap line because we only reach uh, two out of three children and young people at the moment and there's loads of different reasons there's from families being incredibly well off um, and not needing our support they can go private and get all the support they need there um, or potentially hearing the word social worker and thinking oh no you're not taking my kid um, and kind of not being open to that process at all um, so we thought hopefully with a new with a new name that's a bit more obvious um, that might catch the eye a bit on the ward, then we can mop up some of those mm. extra people. Um, and we'll never get to 100%, but as if we can get as close to that as possible, then that's that's our only reason to exist. Um, and we are hoping that it will do that. And should note um, that it was done completely in-house, so it's effectively free and we're not um, changing anything so all of our t-shirts all of our letterheads fundraising merch etc 
is old brand um and then we'll just buy new stuff as we need to yeah which is quite refreshing because there's some massive charities out there that spend a lot of money rebranding um but we've yeah we've got a graphic designer that works for us um and he did all of the stuff uh which is quite insane because he's done he's had to change everything on our systems um but yeah he's done it all um and we haven't had to pay for anything which has been very convenient for us and so like with the you know the last sort of 18 months that we've had during the pandemic you know you've, you've already mentioned people not being able to fundraise yeah like normal um you know apart from obviously not you know not receiving the donations has that affected what you've been able to do in in that time uh yeah uh okay. yeah it's been um i think devastating would be like yeah. the word um we've yeah it was really tough so we lost somewhere in the region of eight million i think um because of the pandemic as a direct impact um so we went through quite a painful restructure um a lot of people have left the organization which is really sad because they are amazing um were amazing but we focused we focused on our service team so the the services teams had to go through a little bit of a change the way that they worked had to change um there's this new central team which was put in as a result um but a lot of our central kind of staff were let go um so that we could focus the money on the front line and not get rid of any resource there um so that we could not only cope with what we had already but the influx that followed um but yeah it was uh really really difficult and it's going to be difficult for a long time um we're just very lucky that we've got um some incredible supporters people that don't don't leave us that don't move on there's people like dan that have raised what, over 15 grand now over the last 10 years that continue to support and they know who we are and they know what we do and they know how important it is um and i don't think a lot of other charities kind of are lucky enough to have that support potentially because of size we're like not that big but not that small um and i hope that we're a, li a little bit more personable um and we are trying a lot more to show our personality and who we are and the staff behind the social media accounts etc um but that's that's something that we need to grow back in a world where events are being cancelled left right and center it's, it's not an easy task but um we're really hoping with things like the Great North Run that is going ahead, hopefully this year, the marathon is going ahead, that we might recover some of that money um, and generate enough over the next few years to grow back some of the support that we had to let go. So we had this incredible um, guy called Phil Day that ran the music programme, we called it, which was a residential every so often that young kids could go to and make music and be together and share their experience with like-minded folks. And it was really, really beneficial, but we couldn't 
justify it we couldn't sustain it and it would be amazing to bring things like that back um because some of the there's a soundcloud and some of the music that's produced is phenomenal really really um breathtaking like they're basically professional recordings and hopefully a lot of them will go on to um produce music or um or actually be artists which would be amazing um there's one actually locally called era e-i-r-r-a who's incredible um she was part of that program and she she's released a couple of singles now so yeah there's it was devastating but um we learned a lot from it we've got that new service like the central support team and a drive that we I mean I thought we were already driven before this whole situation but being able to be witness to the drive across the team even though we're not in the office together um, and are dispersed across the country is amazing and they're powered by the stories from the front line that they we all kind of hear about and we know and we're in touch with um, whether you're in HR or operations or whatever, um, each one of us knows that our sole purpose when we go to work every day is to support children and young people with cancer. And it just so happens that we specialise in a specific area, but we're all focused on that one aim so that we can generate enough income to fight back um, and to do all the things that we want to do over the next few years because we, we owe it. Our job ultimately is not that hard um, compared to going through years and years of treatment. So, mm. yeah, it's a, it's a job worth doing. Yeah, I think you've said numerous times, Dan, when you've been doing your challenges or, you know, your long runs where you're raising money for, uh, you know, for Young Lives Less Cancer, any sort of discomfort or pain you're feeling that time is nothing compared to what you know some of these kids and young adults go through is it yeah that's it you know when you're you know i find social media one of those things where you know you see people saying oh i say there's females for instance oh i've broken my nail today and they're really upset and i i i just like laugh to myself you know thinking you know you don't know what pain and you know what people go through and then I, like, Dan knows very well that, you know, I spend hours, like, emailing Dan and writing letters to companies and stuff like that. And they're all things that people don't see in the background, you know. And I, sometimes I do get very disheartened on, like, responses from people. But then, you know, I still sit there and I think, well, you know, I, it could be worse for me. Do you know what I mean? I could be somewhere laying in a hospital bed hoping that someone out there is writing these letters, trying to raise money for me and my treatment. So it's, it's just, you know, especially with like a lot of the events I do, like the endurance ones and that, you get a lot of time when you're training to think about things. You think, why, why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. And for me personally, obviously I've, I've kind of, I've seen firsthand what the Young Lives versus Cancer gives to people which is obviously why I've supported him for so long and, you know, I'll continue to support him until like a bit like Dan leaving um, his job, I'll, I'll be in a box and they'll probably have their colours along the side of it. Yeah. But it, it, I think people, unless you're associated with it or know someone, you kind of ignore it because it's very unspoken about. 
So, you know, that's why I think like us doing our stuff and like uh, Dave, who was on last, last week's podcast, yeah. he's a, he supports Young Lives and, you know, there's a lot of people out there now and it's starting to get more common, which is nice to see. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's really difficult to, to keep on writing those letters and trying to explain to people the, just what it takes to get through a situation like you went through, Dan. And it's natural that people don't want to listen. They don't want to read. They don't want to even think about the possibility that they could go through something similar in the future. Um, especially if we've got young kids, it's really easy yeah. to say, no, don't want to hear about it. Don't want to see it. Um, so it's, it's a really difficult task, but it's one of those that by the nature of the treatment that you go through in the illness and the age groups potentially, it does bind people together, um, which is brilliant for them, difficult to then tell other people this is the reality of the situation. We know it's not massively common. It's still, I think we need to definitely get it into doctors' heads that it's, um, it's uncommon rather than like rare. So that they think it's a possibility, because a lot of a lot of kids unfortunately don't get diagnosed quickly enough because they think, oh, childhood cancer, that's that's rare. Um when I mean it is, but if you think it's uncommon, then you might think, right, I'll get them tested just in case. Um Sorry, yeah, Dan, just on that, have you got any sort of like statistics about sort of say like how many, you know, what percentage of children in the UK are, are affected by cancer just out of curiosity I don't okay sorry so sorry to put you on the spot like that no, that's all right I think I did um I've just not I've not been a fundraising manager for like six months so I don't I, I, yeah. I'm on my work computer now I know it is somewhere but I, yeah. I've forgotten where it is no, that's fair <laughs> enough because yeah I mean it's not something you'd you wouldn't likely think of with you know for children is it no no and that's it's a blessing that, I mean, if we look after 7,000 and that's two thirds, then what, 12,000 kids a year? Mm. It's kind of not, luckily, not that many. Oh, oh, no, I do know. It's one in, no, 13. Oh, I, my manager would be so angry with me. Is it 12? I think it's 12 children are diagnosed every day. Yeah, I thought it was one in 12, but that's not right. Yeah, so it's 12 every day, so it's across the country. Yeah. It's it's a small number, um, but still, still too Yeah, many. still, I mean, it, I think it would be distressing enough if, you know, if it was your, one of your parents or, you know, your, your brother was on the lab, but I think anything that happens to your child is just so much. I mean, I'm touched with the worst thing my lad's had is he smashed his chin because he was thinking about, climbing things and the yeah. dining room table so that's the worst we've had but yeah you know that was bad enough seeing blood come out of his chin and that was a cut basically you know nasty yeah. one he's scarred but it's like um yeah anything like that it'd be all oh, horrible yeah i mean we i mean that's i suppose one of the the reasons why it's so important that we're here because the it's different for the different age groups obviously and I think more difficult for 
older sort of young people like nearer the um like 16 to 25 bracket where they know exactly what's happening to them um and that's where their mental health starts to get affected yeah. and the long lasting implications of fertility and even mental health because you can be given the all clear and then have a 12 monthly scan and actually one of the um amazing young people that does our induction program she was really really always really anxious about going to those appointments and had loads of counseling and really worked on it and then the first time that she felt confident to go to that follow-up appointment it had come back and there's a whole world of trauma with the, mm. that older group which we do try and help with but to a certain extent you've got to let them engage with the counsellors and work on it themselves but then there's a the young group who are kind of don't really understand what's happening um where they can play with um the the various different lines that you can have put in they can play with the nurse and play with all the plastic bits and put them into their teddy bears and they kind of we try and make it really unintimidating so that when they have all the needles in it's not traumatizing and hopefully they won't remember much of what they've been through um and some of the stories that come out of the wards are amazing of like these little kids there was one in um at Adam Brooks where we actually had another kid that was raising money for us um he himself had terminal blood cancer and he was carrying on with college and he was speaking to me because he wanted to be a, as if he was going to be a film producer and that was his goal um despite being palliative which is you know he inspires me every day because he's just the, the most incredible guy I've ever met but he was only fundraising because he was on the ward with um these two little girls one of them was sat on a bed not a hair on a head hooked up to chemo and they were just going about their business he was doing a crossword or whatever she screams from across the across the room he thinks oh god what's happened and it's because she's seen her best friend who they're exactly the same age she comes running in and they asked if they asked the um, click sergeant social worker as it was at the time could they sit on the bed together because they were besties um and they spoke to the nurse and they arranged it so that they were both on the bed and they're both two really cute little go girls both bold as anything both hooked up to their chemo and they just spent the day giggling at pepper pig on their ipad and that's kind of part of the nice stuff that we get to do is that it's a really traumatic situation but um there's one of the kids had a quote that you don't know you're strong until you have to be. And it's kind of that you've, you've no alternative, but to carry on. The cancer's going to do its thing. The treatment's going to do its thing. But when they're younger, they don't think of the longer term impacts or any of the stuff going on around them. They just try and get through that day in the best way they can. And a lot of the time it ends in doing some really amazing, lovely things or like wheelchair races up and down the wards. And it's um, it's really heartening to hear some of those stories because it's not, it's not always bad. It's important that everything else is taken care of around them, but they can just be kids. They can be themselves. And that's kind of our, for September, which is Children's uh, Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. That's the theme of our campaign is that we're more than our cancer. Um, and I've seen some of the clips and some of the pictures from the photo shoot that we did a couple of weeks ago with some of the little ones and 
it, there's some really, really lovely stories um, from these little ones that are more than their cancer. They, you know, they've got a horrific illness and it will take some of them. But in the meantime, they describe who they are and what they love doing. And there's this one little girl called Samaya who's on our website and she's, she's done a few things for us. Um, and she turned up at the shoot in a princess outfit and she was not taking that off. And she did bring a doctor's outfit as well. And she just wanted the photo shoot. So they did, they were doing a video interview as well, but she had to, they said, if you do a couple of minutes of the video, then you get to go and do the photography. So they were doing that. And she just came alive in front of the camera. And I saw some of those pictures this morning and I've not stopped smiling all day because she's the cutest little thing in the world. And yeah, it's, it's wonderful that we get to kind of, work to support their family and to make things better for everyone else but also kind of be in touch with those amazing kids that are defiant in the face of this horrible thing that they can't control um which I don't think many of us adults could be that brave or that strong or that dignified um in exactly the same situation which just yeah, makes you think doesn't it and evaluate what you're doing yeah, so I can always remember when I was in Adam Brooks <clears throat> when mm. Shelley was having her chemo. And I always remember seeing the real tiny little kids. You know, they were wired up to the machines, but mm. they were so happy, so playful. They didn't obviously didn't know what was what was going on. But yeah. it's like kind of it's really heartbreaking to see, but in a way you kind of think, well, you know, they're trying to make the best of their current situation. Mm. that's when you kind of think you know <clears throat> if I can if I can help these you know get better everything like that it's just worth putting that extra effort in yeah and it it doesn't kind of it's a, it's a more difficult sell I think to like bigger companies and whatever but it doesn't take much money to do that to have yeah. an incredible impact on that just on one day on one round of chemo if you can make that day brilliant it will have a huge impact on their life and I think it's something like 46 pounds an hour for a social worker it's just a minuscule amount of money to change someone's life or like in our homes from home they cost 37 pounds a night for a family to stay in well if your home is like 70 miles away and you've got two other little kids and a partner at home it's it's life-changing to be able to have that opportunity to have a base next to the hospital where you can wash their clothes get a bit of rest speak to some other like other families that are going through the same thing 37 quid I wouldn't think twice oh no I would there's a really expensive Mexican here that's about 37 quid and I do begrudge that every single time I spend it but it's not a huge amount of money um to give someone that lifeline yeah it's three people signing up to our challenge would cover that for yeah. family for a night to put it into yeah. context and the, the thing is people i don't think people realize just how draining like a chemotherapy session is on a patient yeah because you know the last thing they want to do is sit in a car for hours to try and get get to their home so having yeah. these places right near where they're having their treatment you know is, is is worth every single penny yeah also for the family as well you know obviously you know primary concern obviously is the person you know going through it but if you think i mean we've all done long 
drives you know if you've gone through something you know emotional like that then just driving yeah. like a couple of hours you know a you know that's awful but that's dangerous you know if you were going the motorway at night and you're mm. you know you've been crying all day or you know you're not quite right in the head you know switch off how many other people could be affected by it yeah yeah that's and like dan was saying it's like to be a parent or a spouse or someone in that situation not being directly affected that's really draining to see either your child being pumped full of drugs having lines in and being hooked up, hooked up to the machinery and not having control of that situation and not being able to do anything at all about it to make them better that has a massive impact and you're right like it's more dangerous to drive tired than it is drunk so if we can literally these homes are across the road most of the time you can walk there in your slippers it's somewhere to just go and put your head down and unwind and recollect your thoughts before you then go and do it the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day for potentially months on end um it's a really small thing but it makes a massive 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 difference to them and the one in nottingham um billy's house i forget her name she called Paula can't remember they have a housekeeper um and I was sitting there doing a bit of work on the dining table and there was a few families making breakfast and we're all chit-chatting and the housekeeper comes bowling in massive character um and she asks about or there's a few little kids there who are like brothers and sisters and she interacts with them and teases them and then she speaks to the parents really sincerely and then and just things like that to be able to not worry, like just make some toast because you know the little one is being looked after. Um, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, a, a massive, really small thing, but a really massive impact for them um, for such a, a normal amount of money. Like, I just think all the stupid things that I bought on Amazon over the last few months and the impact that that could have had if I'd have spent it there instead. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, just covering on Amazon, it's like slight change of subject, but in a way, because they do actually do a charity function on there now, don't they? They do. If you go to smile.amazon.co.uk, then you can donate a percentage of your basket to any charity that you choose for no additional fee. Yeah. Uh, do you know, do many people do that? Because I must admit, I they forget do. half the time. They do. And you can, there's a way to do it on your phone and I've done it, but I can't remember how you do it, but you can do it on the Amazon app on your phone as well. Um, I can't remember how much we get from them, but it's a decent amount and it all adds up. Yeah. Um, there's loads of different things. There's uh, something called Give As You Live, which is like a little plugin for Chrome. And it does it by referral. So they pretend as if you've, they've referred you to that website so they get commission that they then donate to charity um i've just had that installed like buying things for the house and whatever and that's like that's hundreds now um so yeah there's, there's loads of just secret little ways you can donate without actually spending a penny or just spending your usual amount and then these other companies um giving the money to to us 
Yeah, because I think fundraising in general is going to change, isn't it? Mm. So we were saying that last time I actually saw you in person was in London when we was bucket collecting in the tube stations, literally yeah. just before COVID. Yeah, had we known. I know. And you think, but now, I mean, I don't carry cash on me anymore. So if I see anyone with no. a charity bucket, you know, I'm not, I haven't got money on me anymore. But no. I think you did say that you're starting to get these like card readers. And yeah, so when way, we did that you can get around it. When we did that collection, it was 51% of transactions in the United Kingdom were done using a non-cash method, um, which was quite staggering. And that went up like tenfold during the pandemic and like thousands of cash points have been closed and stuff. Um, so yeah, we've got a new system called, they were called Tap Simple. They've changed their name, but we have actual devices now. So each of the fundraising managers, uh, there's a brand new one in my post that I'll introduce you to at some point um but they will all have access to two of these readers that they can send out to people doing events and stuff um where you just log in on you like insert your phone into the thing um download an app and then it all comes directly to our bank account it's all coded so it goes directly to the system which is really clever um and yeah you could just tap tap away now which is brilliant we did have those qr code things when we did our collection, but it wasn't very well thought through, I don't think. But we're much more set up now. And we've, uh, like Morrison's stores, they're all doing collections uh, throughout September. And you can do, there's like they'll all have like QR codes that you can scan with your phone. Or you can text to donate, which is something new as well that we're trying. Um, and anyone doing a fundraiser can contact their fundraising manager and get a text to donate code. So like... For Wild Runner events in future, you could text Wild Runner to or Wild Runners to seven oh something 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 to donate five pounds or whatever. Um, so there's loads of different methods just to make it that bit easier that are starting to come through, um, and that was just scratching the surface. There's loads out there. You get I get messages every day on LinkedIn from these companies that are offering different ways to do it. Um, but yeah, definitely trying to make it much easier for people to give us their money that's the thing isn't it people don't people don't want to type in a website now do they if they can just scan and go they're more than happy to do it that way aren't they yeah it's like we haven't got time for anything anymore no and and just like i've never carried cash and i I was born in 92 so i'm not like that old like us too (laughs) yeah i might have to say it but yeah that's that's what i meant um Because you just you just have your card. There's no. I've I've never been the person that counts out that I've never paid for anything with change because I don't want to hold up the line. Um, I think people are becoming more like that. No one has cash anymore. Why would you rifle through your pocket? To, yeah, you just tap to, or yeah. use your phone, scan your phone, everything now. Yeah, have a child yeah. and you have even less. Yeah. Do, well, do you do you think you'll fundraise more that way with like the contactless cards and stuff? Because everyone carries their card with them, don't they? Yeah. You know, you... The, the theory is, yes. We're, we've not had many chances to try it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the theory is, yes. If I mean, if you, like the collection we did in in London, we were at Westminster Station, weren't we? Yeah. There were thousands of people coming through that barrier every few minutes, and... Everything really excited if like one person put some money in. What 
every single one of those people had a contactless card on them. Could you imagine if if each of those, I mean, ultimately the change donations we got would have been like, what, two or three pounds at a time, yeah. a note if you're really lucky. Well, some of them were politicians, so they did give a note. <laughs> um, but some politicians did walk straight past, but won't get political. Um, I just imagine if all of those people tapped like three quid, that's an insane yeah. amount of money that we'd have gotten from that one collection and then replicate that across the country in their various formats. Um, it's got a huge potential. It could be, you know, it's hopefully will be a game changer. Yeah. Um, I think for like the QR codes as well, you could like, just thinking back to what Dave was saying last week with his Snowden challenge, people were stopping and asking him yeah. like what they were doing. You know, yeah. every single one of those people would have a smartphone. Everyone's yeah. got a smartphone. It's, it's, even if he had it on his T-shirt or something, just scan his, yeah. his T-shirt or mm. anything like that. Yeah. You know. That's what I want. I mean, those that we had a card when we were in Westminster, but it we hadn't worked out the system yet. But those QR codes, I think they the actual code is free. I think if you buy the card, it's like a pound or something, really cheap. Um, but you can customize the landing page. So like it would be my vision. I think it'd be really awesome that if you're doing a challenge like climbing a mountain, doing a marathon, whatever. If it became standard, like we send out for marathons and stuff, uh, best letters that you iron on. If we could do a QR code, even if it's small, the same size as the letters that you then put on the end that goes through to the custom page, that'd be amazing because people don't stop much. I mean, if you're walking with other people, then you do chat about it. But people just walking past, if you could just say, mm, scan me, easy done one click and it links to like google pay and apple pay and whatever so as long as you're hooked up to those it's like it's one click but yeah well the proof will be in the pudding i think but all signs are that it's um we should be quite successful with it mm. but yeah lots of testing and trialing and it's nice um the team have over the last year been really, really open to innovating and changing and like places I've been before have been quite defensive of like things changing and like, oh, well, I've done my job wrong. No, it's not. It's just the world has changed. Um, and everyone's been totally open to changing the way we do things and try new things. If they don't work, they don't work. Um, we'll kind of pick it apart and analyse it and why it didn't work and if we could make it work. Um, but there's so many different things like we, we didn't do Facebook challenges before um, and we've, we've started doing that now and we had one in March um, that was 500,000 steps, the 500,000 step challenge um, and I thought no one's going to do that, it's, um, it's too many steps and it won't raise any money uh, and then at the end of the month £600,000 had come in and we just never did that before um, so yeah, the, the world is changing. And we're hopeful that all these little things will add up. And we'll hopefully get some of that money back that we lost over the last 18 months. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it as well is the money you've lost, but with the health service as well, the children haven't been able to get their treatment, have they? Which is, you know, it's a massive knock-on effect for them. It is, yeah, and they, you know, it's as much as our NHS colleagues are 
incredible at what they do, um, things get missed. And there have been a lot of kids that have had their treatment delayed and have now become palliative. And it's really difficult to go back and say, well, if I'd have had that operation at this time, then I wouldn't be in this position now. But it probably is the case. Um, and that's happening across the UK and it's happening more and there will be an end to it at some point, but when does it end? Um, will that capacity ever come back if it's a seasonal thing? Will there always be beds taken up with COVID patients? Will, you know, will that resource disappear? Um, but yeah, there's, there's a big glut of kids going through at the moment that kind of shouldn't be there. Um, and they're much sicker than they should have been. Um, and if this thing had not happened, then they'd be fine now, and they're not. Which is sad, but you've, um, yeah, I suppose you've got to carry on and do the best you can. And yeah, it's like a fire, isn't it? What did they say? You can use a fire to, you can let a fire burn you down or, fuel you um, and that's what I tend to choose because yeah you could I mean you could especially in this job as you all know right you could sit here and cry all day um, but you've got to channel it into something positive and it's really like it's fantastic that a lot of us get the opportunity to do that with people like you and so many other people um, it's a bit sad I'm going to be handing over my job in the next few weeks that was to be here um, and there was a little bit of, oh, but I don't want to. I don't want to tell you about this person because they're mine. Because um, there's so many of them across um, East Anglia, White Patches. And it's really heartening to see that there are some incredible people out there. And a lot of people like, it's still boggles my mind as to your dedication, Dan, but there are people out there as well that don't have a connection that haven't been through what you've been through um, that still stay and they still fundraise. And it's um, it's crazy. It's, it's amazing to be kind of a, a bit of a caretaker of them. Um, yeah, it would be sad to, sad to see them be looked after by someone else, but you won't be getting rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still be bombarding you with emails, don't worry. Yeah, good. I'll look forward <laughs> to it. But yeah, it's um it's it really is a wonderful organization. It's a real privilege to kind of be part of it um and to hopefully um help other people to be part of it because it's a it's a brilliant cause to to champion um it's kind of nice to see some of the um wild runners um though doing massively more running and exercise than myself and I, if i could get like out of the bottom of the um leaderboard on the strava group i'd be very chuffed but it's really nice to see some of the members on there that i've then like secretly followed on instagram also supporting one of them is all the way up in like Scotland and it's really nice to kind of connect 
the dots and realize who these people are and look at them on the system and um, link it all together because it's a brilliant brilliant collection of people I'm very very lucky yeah so you do the connections you let joe do the running yeah <clears throat> that's how it goes yeah, yeah like 100 <laughs> <laughs> i've got a peloton I'm like, I'm, I'm doing exercise now. You'll be very proud of me. Um, which I think is easier than running. Wasn't it one of the challenges you took part in that you hated me for? Was it the burpees one or the... There was a challenge we'd done. It can't be saying... Oh, was the... Was it um, Sally, Sally Up? Oh, I could not do that. And that song, I was just playing a playlist the other day and that came up and I was like, how did, why did I even think I could do that? That was ridiculous. I, I felt I cheated. There was one way I had to climb the equivalent of Scarfell Pike in a month. Yeah. Um, and like, you can't even walk the dog without doing like 30 metres of elevation around here. And I managed to do it in like a couple of weeks just walking the dog. Um, so I'm looking forward to this next one because I think 25 kilometres will be challenge because it's it's just more than 5k a week so like four 5k fridays plus another one you could do you could do one of the one of the barefoot 5ks they do on a thursday (laughs) that'd be enjoyable up in them hills i don't think so i mean on the beach looked fine (laughs) but the amount of pairs of shoes that i've gone through thinking Oh no, that hurts my shin. Oh no, that one hurts my calf. Oh no, that one. To do it without any shoes at all, I don't think I. I don't think I have the the the, the musculature in my leg to support that. <laughs> no, that's brave. One day, one day, but it will be on a beach. That's that's where we both did our barefoot. Yeah, mm. yeah. You wouldn't right. see me walking across them stones and that. No. I've, no. I, no, I've said to the guy who runs it, I'm happy to do one a year, or every time I go on holiday, I'm near a beach, I'll do it. But other than that, you are not going to catch me in the mountains barefoot. No. And I've, I did investigate it, because you can get, like, stickers, can't you, that it's like, basically, you know, those rolls of plaster you used to be able to get, that's like a plaster, but it goes on your foot with all the individual toes and whatever, so you don't get scraped. But just thought, if that... if if you have to go through that amount of work to make it like doable, it's probably not worth doing. <laughs> I leave it to the pros to to work it out. Yeah. Or get those shoes because you can get barefoot shoes, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, we've actually got them coming on again soon. Um, the, the whole barefoot crew. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, their community is growing massively, isn't it? Mm. Mm. It's been quite nice to see. Well, I mean, it's it's a more natural way to do it. Because I do think with some of the... Um, I bought loads of different insoles to try and, like, make a difference. But you must be, with all the cushioning, you must be putting your foot into quite an unusual situation. And even if some of them are really stable, well, like, the shoes make your ankle stable, but is it meant to be? on the drop of the shoe you can get a zero yeah. drop which is basically like just flat like you would be yeah going normal then you get like you know these elite marathoners and i can't remember what i think it's like six or eight mil drop that they have with theirs and then do you know what i mean 
inches of foam and a carbon plate and some rocket boosters on it. Mm. So, yeah, but a, a lot of them boosters. don't wear nothing anyway, do they? So they don't have the impact gun going through them, unlike mm. us. So Joe did, I think Joe did get some zero drop shoes uh, and they really hurt. Apparently you have to like build up. Yeah, I've got a pair and I'm sort of, I try to use them but I've really did too much in them too quickly. Mm. I was in like 16 miles in them like on my second run, which probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. No, no that's a lot of miles. Mm. Yeah, well, um, you'll get a 10k out of me one day, but uh, it may not be that soon. Uh, if you can do a 5k, you can do a 10k. Easy. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Just run That's 5k it. away from home. Yeah, guarantee yes. you a 10k then. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's very true. Or I could do it while I'm not here, because that's the the flattest route here is like 50 <laughs> meters. So I, I'm not into. I just want a flat track just to run around. <laughs> There's plenty of them around my way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like the opposite. I, I crave for a hill every now and then. Yeah, I do. Um, um, one for Strava stalking. It's funny when during that challenge, I was looking at some of yours, and it was like zero meters. <laughs> I was like, oh god, <laughs> what I would do? <laughs> yeah, that was really hard to try and get at elevation. I tell you. Yeah, yeah, it looked it. Oh, but no, this one. Um, I'm looking forward to because it, it just give you. I know, like the world is slightly returning to some sort of normality. Um, but it's still not there yet. So it, it's nice to have a challenge to kind of put your mind on, especially with like the rest of the world kind of collapsing. Um, it's something you can a get out and during that time just clear your head, but also when you're not doing it, thinking about okay, when am I going to do this? When am I going to plan in other workouts to fit in? And yeah, yeah, we're kind of hoping this is our last virtual one, and hopefully we can do some proper ones. Like where everyone meets up again, most yeah. of next year. So, That'll I, I be... think the whole virtual events are really dying down now. We were talking about this yesterday. Yeah. And yeah. now events are happening. People are, you'd, I'd rather pay an extra 10, 15 pounds to go and race with people and run yeah. with people than do it virtually. Yeah. I mean, even small ones, Joe went up and did one in the Highlands that was um, really quite small still like I think like 100 people or something um and it's brilliant it was really really nice atmosphere it's like one of the first that happened after lockdowns um and it's fantastic and I'd much rather do it with even just a small group of people than yeah doing something virtually because it's it's still nice to see the group and see people doing stuff and the new people coming up on the leaderboard that you've not seen before um but it does make a difference in it being in person yeah, the advantage with the virtual for us is we've got people, like I said, people in Scotland, people all over. Chicago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So logistically, we're not all going to meet up in one place. So it is nice that we can all do something together. Yeah. And so yeah. we're always going to try and do something for September for Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. So it would just be nice to have an event where we could all meet up, do something crazy together and have a drink and something to eat afterwards. Yeah. The option of wearing shoes or, or going barefoot. 
Yeah, if it's well, at least if it's September, it's right at the just at the nice end of summer. Summer? What's that? I was going to say it didn't feel like <laughs> summer yesterday, did it? It's hammering it down as we speak. But that'd be nice. That'd be really nice get together. You could even do something up in the lakes or something, and people could travel to it and camp. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, we were thinking about the Peak District, weren't we? Mm, yeah, yeah. there's quite a few pe- people in the wild runners who um, live like in the southern part of the country. Yeah, I suppose that'd be easy to get to. Yeah, yeah. so the Peak District's nice and central for everyone. Yeah. Um, but, and it's uh, potentially a bit more set up for people. Well, there's there's more space for people there than in the lakes. Yeah, well, we where we went yesterday. There's um, that's we spotted a, quite a cool campsite. Didn't we? Mm. A lot of those are like yeah. yurts and what have you. Ooh. So quite quite a good thing to sort of see how much they are. You know, if you rent, mm. do group bookings, then there's loads of places you can go around there for for a run or a hike. Yeah, yeah, that would be brilliant. This I feel like this is the um. This is going to form part of our documentary in the future, where it turns into some sort of amazing festival. All, all these crazy people come together. Yeah. Colin will be in charge of the rave. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was determined that Trail Pursuit was going to be a potentially like fire festival situation, but they pulled that off. So if they can do it, you can do it. Yeah, I think the latest one was really good. There were yeah. some bad things about it, but I think they were kind of out of their control a bit. Sort of in, yeah. But it just depends how they sort of price it moving forward will be my thing, whether I do it again. Yeah. It's interesting seeing all the kind of bits of comms come out gradually as things changed. It kind of picked apart the planning process and it did make you think, well, actually... We could do something like this in future because there's this bit to think about and that bit to think about. Whereas normally you just pay the price and then you turn up and you get what kind of said on the website and you don't really think about the logistics at all. Um, but with them, we thought about it and it did seem potentially doable. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think they've got a good idea with what they're doing, making it like a whole sort of festival sort of thing because with some yeah. races I've gone to, you literally race finish and bugger off straight away yeah whereas i think you know with i mean even even though we, we, we were just sat around the car and we were deck chairs having a couple of beers yeah and, you know whilst i was feeling sorry for myself after finishing <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think like for supporters as well like we were planning to go up and they couldn't do it but like we could have done yoga whilst joe was off running and um, gone wild swimming and whatever and that that's kind of a bit of a niche that not many have thought about because um, it's, it's boring sitting there for like how many hours I know you've got a difficult job doing the running but what about us <laughs> there's only Spoos. so many ice creams you can eat in the yeah, morning you know? Yeah. you know those yeah. burgers and beers you know yeah okay can anyone else hear the violin going off for these spectators whilst we're off <laughs> 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 yeah God, I look forward to that in future years mm. um, I mean I'm all out of questions um, 
Dan, have you got anything else you want to... No, I'm out of question. I think Dan's pretty much covered everything there. You got any questions you want to fire at us or, or anything, Dan? Um, how do people sign up for the September challenge? Links in the bio. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We've got the link in the bio. Um, or there's the Wild Runners website, which is www.thewildrunners.co.uk. The challenges are on there. So people can get signed up on there. And like we said, every every free sign-ups is the well, that pays for a night for a family in a in a hotel. Well, home from home. So, you know, that's one way to think. Get your friends involved. Get two or three friends, and that covers one night per per group booking. Mm. Do it, listeners. Do it. Um, where can people find out a bit more about young lives versus cancer if they want to talk? read up about the good work you guys are doing they can go to www.younglives versus just a vs cancer.org.uk and all the information is there Perfect. well i mean thank you very much for coming on you really i mean you opened my eyes into you know just some of the challenges that i didn't even know existed um you know before we had this so you know, i think you guys are doing a good great job and obviously Please continue helping people. Thanks. Well, thanks for having me. And thanks for supporting us because we would not be here without you. Well, yeah. thank you for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll speak to you on the next one. Yeah. Cheers, Dan. Bye. Bye. Bye.